Got me. It gets me every time. Every morning. I come been coming here for six years. And every morning you think I'd learn to make the mic hot. Anyway, this is Bro Diallo, Q4 Radio. Today, whoa, man, word. I put the got the wrong day. Anyway, today is February. 27th in the year of your Lord, 2023. This is Bro Diallo broadcasting straight out of the sanctuary hypocrisy. That is the city of Chirac, state of Drillinois, and the United States of America, on the ravaged, hyper-exploited planet Earth in the misnamed Milky Way galaxy. I am so happy you are here with me today. I have missed you as I was traveling, as the Moors say, as I was traveling using my appellations to travel amongst our native sovereign lands. <laughs> and and um, I'm glad y'all waited for me to get back. Y'all patient with me. Um, we started our morning off because I was on the West Coast, so we had to start the morning off with Ice T, the king of West Coast hip-hop, Colors, C-C-C-Colors. Followed that up by Mad Mad World, by 7A3, which is off the color soundtrack and old school. I know old school. I might be old school, but I ain't no old fool. And so, and finally we had King T. And if Ice T is the king of the West Coast hip hop, then Ice T is the crown prince. Y'all be sleeping on Ice T. Act a fool was just went dumb as they, as the, Oh, folks, uh, Ice T act a fool. I really dug that album. That bass track was hot fire. Anyway, thank you so much for tuning in to the Bro Diallo broadcast. I am very happy to be here, even under these circumstances, this rainy, dreary, uh, climate confused day. We're gonna have ongoing climate disruption and climate con uh, confusion. Thanks to uh, global warming, which many of you deny. Many of you re reject the facts, the evidence, the reality of uh, global warming. And I'm not sure why. Oh, I know why. I know exactly why. Propaganda and indoctrination. And I'm not even talking about corporate news indoctrination. I'm not even talking about corporate or high school propaganda. I'm talking about your religious indoctrination. I'm talking about this apocalyptic faith systems, end time prophecies. God will make a way somehow when here beneath the cross I bow. This delusional mass psychosis of religious and spirituality um, delusions. That's a big, big part of them. People tell me to stop. Leave folks alone in their delusions. Respect people's delusions. Ignore people's delusions as if they don't have real world impacts. And maybe I'll do. Maybe one day I'll have enough sense to talk. Stop dissing people's faith. <laughs> you know, the lies people accept is real. The things people accept as true without any evidence. But anyway, on that note, yesterday was Savior's Day. 
for the nation of Islam, speaking of apocalypse, and their message, Farrakhan's message, was the war of Armageddon. And I was going to, I listened to Farrakhan, 90-year-old man, can talk, he talked for three hours. He gave a three-hour uninterrupted sermon, and it was about as coherent and cohesive and relevant as a 90-year, a speech from a 90-year-old cult leader could be. Now, I'm not trying to be ageist, but I mean, the dude rambled and rambled and rambled. And I'm like, there's really nothing here to critique. There's really nothing here to break down. There's nothing here to challenge or debate. You know? It's just the ramblings of a 90-year-old cult leader. And he was just all over the place. He complained about how his celebrity friends, that's what, and it's weird, you're 90 years old and on some groupie shit. He complained that all the uh, celebrities, the athletes and the rappers don't like to come to his house and, and, and sip tea and kick it with him because they'll get in trouble because they get asked by the mainstream media, by, by, by the Zionist media, they'll be asked. Why are you around Farrakhan? So he says, even though a lot of celebrities, a lot of public figures really like him and really want to come hang out with him, really want to come to his mansion and put their feet up and relax and drink tea with the minister. But they don't. They're afraid because they don't want to get that question. Why are you interacting with Farrakhan? Which is a stupid question. Farrakhan in that same speech said, listen, I'm 90 years old. I ain't got no criminal record. I've never been arrested. I'm the most law-abiding black man in America. Now, I mean, that says something. I mean, respect due. You know, I've, even I can't even say that. Now, I've been arrested. You know how when you go to a protest, you, you buck the police, and they take you into custody and detain you and try to hit you up with all these fines? But mostly, most of the time, I mean, I know my, my fellow active and former protesters, they hit you with trespassing, you know, refusal, refusal to follow lawful orders or some bullshit. And they kick it down to a misdemeanor and they have you going back and forth to court and paying fines and all that bullshit. Farrakhan didn't even have to deal with that kind of stuff. You know, I wasn't putting I wasn't pushing P. I wasn't moving weight. I wasn't gang banging. What Smokey Rob say? Sneaking that coke, doing that dope. Most of my criminal history has either been minor traffic violations or shit associated with protest and activism. So other than that, so but Kit Farrakhan was like, I don't even have none of that on my record. You know, he bragged. He was very proud of that, that he's not run afoul of the white devil's legal system. And I mean, I know. If I was a white devil and it was my legal system, I would not incarcerate or, 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 or detain an asset to help me bring down two of the greatest black men. Two of the greatest black men in recent history, Malcolm X and Khalid Abdul Muhammad. I wouldn't bring down an organization's. It takes black men who are mad at the system, who want to rebel against the system, who want to take a militant stance against the system and wrap them up in delusions 
about end times prophecies and Allah bringing judgment as opposed to being engaged in rational political action in viable grassroots organizations I to lock them up in, in, in cultish rhetoric and delusions and, and, and funny costumes. So I would I, I if I was the the Caucasus Mountain cave dwelling white grafted devil, I would not detain such an asset myself. But what am I talking about here? Anyway, y'all want to see? So I, I I went actually went down to Savior's Day. I went I was down there. I was hating from outside the club. I couldn't get in. <laughs> I didn't go in. But I'm like, why? First of all, it was packed. I mean, it was lines around the corner. If you know McCormick Place, right? If you know McCormick Place, it was at a convention center towards downtown Chicago. And they have this Wind Trust Arenas where they have Duke basketball games like the Blue Devils. They have the WNBA plays there. They have um, just huge events. And they have this whole campus of convention center and these sky walkways, it's huge. All this opulence, bars and music and entertainment, that whole area is just where, where the magic happens. It's Liddy over there. And everybody that comes to Chicago passes through there, like engineers, like they're about to have like this big Comic-Con, C2E2, this comic book and gaming convention. My son is going. That's all he could talk about. This big comic book and and it's huge, multi-levels, vendors and, you know, but the dentist and their whole organizations, engineers, uh, healthcare workers, uh, promotion companies, the socialists actually come there with the, the, the socialist convention meets there. So it's a big, huge convention center. Which makes sense that they would have it there because, you know, Savior's Day couldn't be held at any of the nation's facilities. It's just too big. But I come down there and they packed it in. Bow ties and hijabs, as far as the eye could see. All up and down, everywhere around. And I, like I said, like Chris Brown said, I was hating from outside. Not necessarily, hey, I don't hate my people. I don't really hate my people. I hate certain ideologies. I hate certain actions that we've locked ourselves into. But my people got nothing for love for you, black folks. <laughs> Even when we caught up in some stuff, you know, I I, I take the position that Nilly Fuller and, and Dick Gregory promoted. You know, we have a right to be crazy. We have a right. I mean, nobody has more of a right to be out of our goddamn minds than black folks. We have every right to be batshit insane. White folks go through a one day trauma. White folks have one day trauma. White folks go through one day what black people have gone through relentlessly for centuries, for generations. And they have mental health experts. And Oh, if you want to talk. Oh, there was a school shooting and there'll be mental health experts and they'll have a day off. Just take a walk away and, and take a, a mental health day. One day, try, if white folks have a one day, there's memorials, there's statues, 9-11. White folks experience one ounce of the torture 
of the atrocities, of the bombings, of the civilian deaths and civilian disruption that white folks created. This beam of light shooting into the sky in New York City. A beam of light. You know, can you imagine if the Cubans, the Venezuelans, Sub-Saharan Africans, the Southeast Asian, Vietnam, Cambodia, Laos, if everywhere white folks went and bombed somebody, blew up a building, if everywhere white folks went and committed a horrendous atrocities, massive civilian death, if those people did like white folks and created a light shooting into the sky, the earth would be brighter than the sun. White folks, and they experience just a, what, what they call blowback. They have to create a term for when white, they have a special terminology for when white folks get a little taste of what they put out to the world. They call it blowback. <laughs> they had to be a special word for it because they're not used to it. They can't take it. Look how meth is doing white folks. They had a black, and, and, and see, black people went through biochemical warfare or crack, right? And the government brought down the hammer on us. Mandatory minimums, crash units, they driving tanks into people's homes. White folks had a drug ep epidemic. They had their drug epidemic and it's, oh, <laughs> it's a treatment, treatment-centered response. <laughs> and they still, they still fucked up in the game. Y'all got the most loving and and nurturing response to your drug i mean can you imagine if 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 this system responded to the opioid crisis the way they respond and they call it a crisis remember when we was at they called it a crack epidemic it's a crack epidemic crack babies i ain't heard meth baby yet tell me if you've heard the term meth baby tell me raise your hand if you've heard the term meth baby Oh, crack babies, these crack babies, a whole generation born addicted to crack. And really, there was no evidence of the meth baby. That was purely a media invented phenomenon. There were no crack babies, but there are heroin babies. There are opiate babies. And I don't hear the term opiate or meth baby. Show me a meth baby. Show me a headline. So can you imagine the way they did black people in the 80s? First of all, the government has all the power, right? So the government CIA imposed the crack epidemic on black people. Shout out and rest in peace to Gary Webb, blew that whole thing up. And I don't know why today, Free Ray Ricky Ross and, he, and, and, and black mafia family, black people, the crack epidemic was genocidal biochemical warfare. And the Negroes, the Uncle Toms, the race traders sellouts, who facilitated the distribution of our oppressors' biochemical warfares in our communities are looked at as folk heroes. Y'all looking up to these people. Y'all wearing T-shirts? Black Mafia family? Rick Ross is touring the country. You got non-fake law-abiding corrections officers pretending to be Rick Ross? Where they do that at? It's weird. And these crack dealers are non-repentant. Yeah, you know, I was moving weight. Non-repentant. Every crack dealer committed an offense to the black community. And I ain't saying we can't forgive them, we can't reintegrate them, but it's, it should at least be some type of penance. 
A heartfelt apology? Y'all some weirdos. I just got back from California. So I, I call y'all. I'm going to use <laughs> y'all some skeezers and weirdos. Mark ass tricks. Anyway, can you imagine, as my point, can you imagine if the United States government, the United States judicial system, the United States media responded to the opioid epidemic the way it responded to the opioid epidemic? I'm sorry. It's not an opioid epidemic. They call it an opioid crisis. When white people all start boofing and get smoked out, it's a crisis. When black people do it, it's an epidemic. It's a disease. They pathologize us. We're criminals. We're sick criminals. Anyway, can you imagine? And uh, as I was saying, the government committed this crime against the black community. It wasn't even the government that did the opioid crisis. <laughs> it was a greedy family. It was one greedy family then tipped over the whole white race. <laughs> To get us smoked out like that, they had to employ one of the most well-funded, insidious government branch, the CIA. But it just took one greedy pharmaceutical company to take down the white folks to get them. And the reason is because white folks always been druggies, drugged out, more drugged out than the black community. What did Tupac say? More white than black and smoking crack tonight or something like that? They were always did more coke, more weed, more alcohol. They always more turnt, more litty than us. But then they, they reorient their propaganda machine to make it look like black people are the druggies. And I tell you, I tell people all the time, my from, from, from preschool to the eighth grade, I was in the public, local public schools. I was in the inner city public school system and from fourth from from ninth grade to senior year, I went to a private school. And when I was in the hood going to the project schools, the public schools, the inner city schools versus the 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 middle class and upper middle class private school. Let me tell you something. Black people, you don't know drugs. You think you lit. You think you rolling, uh, rolling the spliff. You think you're getting turnt? You ain't seen turnt till you've been around children of, of, of the white kids of, of lawyers, the white kids of local politicians, the white kids of preachers and ministers. And, you know, you ain't seen lit. You ain't seen. I remember the first like drug fueled party I went to was was a, a theater. I was I played Puck in a Midsummer's Night Dream in a high school production of A Midsummer's Night Dream. And it was, I was one of the whole cast. It was me and one other black girl. And they, the white kids threw a party. It was my very first white party. Because I had been to house parties in the projects, rent parties, and they got 40 ounces and they had blunts. That's all there was, 40 ounces and weed. I went to this white party. They had drugs I didn't know existed. And an abundance of them. And it was free. You know, you go to an inner city house party and, and you drink the wrong party, somebody will punch you in your chest. The alcohol was abundant and free and everywhere. So anyway, they always been on the more drugs than us. Always. And then when I went off to college, it was even more lit. I mean, listen, I had a, a, a grad student. 
I was in chem my chemistry grad student. She was found. She OD'd. She OD'd. I told y'all this story. One day she's standing there too. She she was a a a, a postdoc fellow, and she was a, a chemistry instructor for 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 the undergrads. So I'm going there in lab. She's showing me how to cook. She was literally like breaking bad. And one day we came to school and they were like, uh, you're going to have go down to the mezzanine, go, go, go to the student center. Like, what's going on? We found out they found her body cold and rigid in one of the, 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 the chemistry department dark rooms. She's she'd been getting high the whole time. And you think I didn't see a police car. I didn't see no news van. Let a HBCU prominent uh, uh, PhD student. In STEM PhD student, let let that happen at an HBCU. It'd be helicopters and news. They, that it was buried. It was kept quiet. It was on the down low. But anyway, where was I? I keep trying to set up this scenario. Let me just stay on on point. Imagine if white people had to deal with what black people dealt with, instead of the white opioid crisis being seen as a health care and mental health issue. There's a show called Intervention. I man, Let me tell you something. Guilty pleasure. Let me tell y'all something. White folks, stop listening. <laughs> okay, white folks, log off. White folks, go get your Nutella toast. Go ahead. Let me tell y'all something. Okay, black people, it's just us. <laughs> I be watching Intervention. When I get down, when I'm like, uh, when I want to feel better, <laughs> white folks, you know, there was a... Uh, show called the facts of life you take the good to take the bad to take them both from there not the facts of life that's a diff that's the wrong one what's it give me a break give me a break that show with nail carter give me a break yes what's her name nail carter there was this show called give me a break and on one of those episodes i relax i'm gonna show y'all i'm gonna show you Right. This show right here is called Give Me a Break. I was raised by my grandmother, so I watched all the grandma TV. And so great. Give me a break. I used to really like that show. But there was one episode where it was this black maid. Watching raising the, the, the children of this Irish racist white Irish cop and, her, and his four children. And she was a sassy black maid for this racist white Irish cop. And the white Irish cop, his wife died or something. And so he was a widower. And instead of getting remarried to a white woman, he hired a black maid, which is a common thing, racist. And so anyway, there was one episode where she used to like shut everything down. She'd be like, everybody sit down and shut up. Cause she, and she said, because the soap operas are on. And they were like, Nell Carter, why you like soap operas no, so much? And she was like, I watch soap operas because I love to watch white folks suffer. <laughs> I love to watch white folks suffer. And, and, I, and this is on TV in the 80s. I'm a little kid. And I'm like, wow. She, they, they let, who wrote that line? So anyway... And give me a break, but she, I never forgot that. Like, she watches soap operas because she loved to watch white folks suffer. And I have to say, I'm so ashamed of myself. I be watching Intervention. <laughs> and watching these white folks. 
watching these white folks go through this self-inflicted. They did that to themselves. You know, y'all did that to yourself. But that's a whole nother thing. So anyway, white folks, uh, I would just love to see crash units riding through the suburbs, special police task force, mandatory minimums, mandatory drug screening to get your benefits, to get your retirement benefits, asset forfeiture. I would love to see the white masses go through and be treated the way that black community was during the so-called crack epidemic. Y'all couldn't handle it. You know, y'all just couldn't handle it. And I ain't going to tell y'all why, why black people are so resilient. We should be revolutionary. We're not revolutionary, but we damn sure resilient. I guess. Celebrate, you know, get in where you fit in. But it's just funny how white folks can dish it, but they cannot take it. Not for one second. They can't take one ounce of the pounds and pounds and tons of tons of, of discrimination, oppression, uh, 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 depravity that they dish out, atrocities that they dish out. Anyway, what? Back to Savior's Day. Let me tell you what I saw. I went down to Savior's Day. I went down to the Wind Trust Arena. And it was all good because I had to go anyway. I needed a, a flat extension cord. I had to run this extension cord behind a bookshelf. And I had a one of those thick round extension cords and the bookshelves were against the wall. So my wife was like, go get one of those flat extension cords. That's the only reason I was down there. I wasn't I wasn't spying. I wasn't I didn't even mean to go down there. Normally, I avoided like to play. But I'm like, I'm out. Might as well go and, and, and check on the uh, Savior's Day festivities. And I get there, and it is black folks lined all, wrapped all the way around. Thousands, as far as the eye could see. Black women wearing Muslim girls. I guess you can't call them women. MGT, Muslim girl training. Fruit of Islam on deck. I mean, gosh, I, I didn't know how many NOIs it was. FOIs, MGTs, as an ocean, all dressed alike, all on deck. You know, all online, perfect posture, no cussing, no spitting, no twerking, dignity, black dignity on full display. And they had full police presence and full police assistance. The cops were there. And it wasn't the riot cops. You know, I went down to, it's weird. I was going uh, down to the Occupy encampments. Y'all remember the Occupy movement? Y'all don't remember that. Obama will go down in history as one of the few presidents that were able to destroy a progressive movement before he, 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 he murdered that movement in his crib. Nixon. Obama did what Nixon couldn't do. Obama did what J. Edgar Hoover and the FBI failed to do. Obama did what Woodrow Wilson was unable to do. <clears throat> Y'all really don't understand what a catastrophe the Obama administration was for black 
consciousness and black liberatory struggles and black and justice struggle in general, not just in even white folks, even white folks, leftists and progressive struggles, struggles got derailed. So anyway, the police were there because when I go to 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 the to the anti-police struggle uh uh protest, the George Floyd. And, and when I went to the Occupy, then whenever I've been seeing masses of people out for a cause, the Chicago PD comes out with its mobile command center. And it's this huge tour bus thing that has satellites and radios and it's, it's armored. And they come there and they come out with these, these armored vehicles. They look like those, what do they call those um, money trucks? They used to transport money those armored vehicles but they're police they come out with armored vehicles they come out in riot gear i mean you go to like a vegan protest there was like this vegan protest i've been to and the cops are there in riot gears and these are people who won't literally won't harm a fly pacifist people who don't eat animals who don't think that we should kill and eat other sentient beings and they're there to call for the end of slaughter of animals. Ain't no vegan terror. No. And the cops are there, sticks out, standing in formation, forming a human wall of repression. Every time you go to anything that's about justice in Chicago, the cops show up full military regalia, ready for war. No matter what the cause is, police brutality, housing. Anti-eviction. I go to the anti-evictions. Cops there on deck ready to bust heads. But you go to Savior's Day. If you was there, you can testify. Wasn't one shield. Wasn't one helmet. Wasn't one billy club. That, that mobile command center, nowhere in sight. Those armored police, CPD, nowhere in sight. Not one goddamn police dog. The cops were in their cars, seat tilted back. Diamond in the back, sun rooftops. Cops were there chilling. They knew it wasn't going to be no trouble. And the and the title of Savior's Day this year was The War of Armageddon is Upon Us. Y'all saw the flyer. The War of Armageddon. So you got all these black militant black men who are supposed to be trained. Who are supposed to be trained for war. Look at this. The war of Armageddon has begun. This is the uh, flyer. The war of Armageddon has begun. And you see tanks. You see the, the Apache helicopter. And so you got a black militant organization with a body count. They didn't drop bodies out here. With an armed military ring for the fruit of Islam. And the cops show up chilling. It was like a picnic. You know, I thought I was, you know, I, 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 I thought I was going to La La Palooza. You know, you know, they have the big La La Palooza just up the street from where the, the Savior's Day is. Right up the street, they have La La Palooza. And then white kids come there and act a damn fool and get high and overdose. And the cops show up wearing shorts. They vets all unfastened. 
somebody telling me Nation of Islam is not black militant, go look up the definition and the history. So this this organization that has published books like The Downfall, you and you got a black militant leader with a body count that's coming to tell his flock, his known flock that have known to 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 engage in violence with a body count to tell them that the war of Armageddon and the cops are chilling because they know it ain't, ain't ain't nothing about it. But like I said, them black people, not only was there no spitting, there was no litter, there was no twerking, no misbehavior, posture on deck. Make me get so y'all see me sitting up a little better. I was down there with the with the the bean pot brothers. Yeah, now even my posture and y'all be seeing me slouch. My posture is on point this morning, just from being there for one and a half seconds. But they are absolutely not viewed or seen as a threat to the systems and institutions of global. They talk Armageddon. They talk fall of America. They talk Caucus Mountain cave dwelling devil. But they present absolutely no threat. And then the leader got up and said, I'm a law abiding. I oppose no threat, no opposition. And in fact, I've said it before and people don't believe me. I've seen the NOI people like, you know, cleans people up. So does AA. Cleaning people up off drugs. It's no way nothing I'm going. But that don't shouldn't give you credits for for political credits. How does uh, 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 the AA Alcoholics and Narcotics Anonymous cleans people up the exact same way the Nation of Islam does by indoctrinating them and addicting them to to, to delusional beliefs in, in a supernatural? Alcoholics Anonymous and Nar Narcotics Anonymous is also a religious cult. People say I call everything a cult. Well, everything happens to be a cult. It ain't my fault. But our oppressors have understand that cultism and cultist indoctrination is a is a more efficient way to indoctrinate, is a more efficient way to indoctrinate the masses of people than beating people over the heads and and and, and using direct violence and repression, even though they keep that in the kitty. Somebody mad. Where are my programs? I love when they ask me that. What have you done? <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. Uh, but anyway, I love that response. You know, if someone levels an accusation, R. Kelly's a rapist. And somebody, instead of saying, no, he's not. I have evidence to the contrary. They say, well, what are, how many songs have you sang? <laughs> like, <laughs> what? Like, that's a horrible defense. If somebody ever comes and says something bad about Bro Diallo, please don't ask them what they've done in comparison to what I've done. Please speak to the accusation because it makes me look guilty as hell. They'd be like, Bro Diallo, you know, he's out here stealing from the people. And they were like, well, well, and you a bro Diallo supporter. And you go to them and say, oh, you say Diallo's stealing from the people. Uh, what have you done? <laughs> no, go to them and say, no, bro Diallo does not steal embezzle. No, he does not. I could tell. Look at them janky ass sweaters he wears. <laughs> you could tell the evidence is on, on YouTube every day. <laughs> oh, I'm not a king, man. I'm a peasant. I've done nothing. I haven't killed I haven't coordinated, I haven't indoctrinated my people into a uh, apocalyptic cult. So I've done nothing. So anyway, 
What was I saying? Oh, so the police were there chilling. It was a day of the park. No threat whatsoever. That was just curious to me. You know, it did sadden me to see thousands of black people still caught up in this stuff. But the nation is Islam, I think, has thoroughly sealed itself and established itself as a doomsday Armageddon cult. It's a doomsday cult. And I think that's sad that black people still get caught up in that mess. You know, I think it's quite unfortunate. But uh, it was interesting. Oh, let me tell you all the best part, the most entertaining part, because I was hating out. I was hating from outside the club. I couldn't get in. But you know who else was hating outside? The black Hebrew Israelites were posted up. They were posted up. Big time. They had a whole setup right there in the entryway. So you're going in to be indoctrinated into the NOI cult, but you got to get an earful of the Hebrew Israelite cult as you go in. It was cult palooza. <laughs> it was cult palooza. I'm like, oh no, they didn't. Oh no, they didn't. The, I, who else? Who went to Savior's Day? I'm in Chicago. I know I ain't the only one that was down there. And the and the Hebrew Israelites came for war. While the, while the nation of Islam was showing up to hear the war of Armageddon has begun, they was wearing slacks and bow ties. They was wearing long dresses and hijabs. Now, if you tell me if I'm going somewhere, they'd be like, bro, Diallo, come on down here. Everybody coming down. We're about to talk about the war has begun. I'm not coming in my cardigan. I'm coming, you know, maybe in a hoodie. <laughs> I'm coming like, oh, I'm coming to hear about how the war has begun. What? I'm going to come in slacks and bow tie. You know, I don't have very many nice articles of clothing. I'm not going to wear my slacks and my ties and, and my sport coats. I'm coming ready. I'm ready to get grimy. But no, they came down there shop, casket shop. To hear about the war, but the Hebrew, the, the 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 black Hebrew Israelites who were posted up at the entryway, I'm like the nerve that brought in the nerve of them cats, and they came in military fatigues. Of course, yes, they had the rhinestones and the sparklies and the and the tassels, but they put them rhinestones on combat. They had on combat boots, bedazzled combat boots, bedazzled uh, army fatigue camouflage pants. They look like they came for war and, and them real manicured uh, afros with the headbands. Shit was wild. I'm like, let me get out of here. This is just too, this is too much. Let me go back to doing nothing because they doing too much. <laughs> I have to balance out. Good, good it wants to know what I did. I do nothing. Because they do too much. So I, me doing nothing balances out there too much. So when the cults do too much, I do nothing to bring balance to the community. So that's my answer. I do absolutely nothing. Nothing from nothing means nothing. So I do nothing to balance out them doing way too much. You do too much. And my wife was a, 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 a Chicago public schools teachers. And she said her students would say that. Miss Mingo, you do too much. <laughs> and now I tell her that too, because they were right. That's one thing I resonate. I identify with the youth. Miss Mingo be doing too much. <laughs> well, she's Dr. Mingo now. 
Dr. Mingo do too much. So anyway, that was it. That's all I took from Savers Day. I didn't learn nothing. I have not bettered myself. I have not uplifted myself. I have not cleaned myself up. But the War of Armageddon has apparently begun. How's, how's, it, how's it going? More, you know, but like I said, I listened to the message. And like I said, just close your eyes and imagine a 90-year-old cult leader rambling on for three hours. Too, yeah, it was too much. But I watched the 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 stream. I watched. The, I I didn't watch from inside. I was hating from outside the club, and I couldn't get in. Anyway, Happy Savior's Day. I mean, just the term Savior. If we could just expunge that from our the concept, the term, the hope and belief in in Saviors. And speaking of white folks suffering, you know, last broadcast I've been following that train derailment in uh Palestine, Ohio. And, uh, you know, let me tell you something, because I've been watching folks and I, I, I talked about quite some time ago that white folks wounds are self-inflicted. White folks love to act oppressed. White folks wounds are self-inflicted. So, you know, that Palestine, Ohio, I've just been watching these white folks and they all all of a sudden these white people are now all environmentally conscious. They're all environment now now for for the last 20 plus years, I've been calling about environmentalism, restoring ecosystem, regulating, uh, 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 detoxifying. I've been going on and on. And the majority of people are like, it's about money. And so these white people in Palestine, they want help. They want gov- They want welfare. They, they want big government to swoop in and save them. Now, this area in Ohio, this particular town and surrounding area, it's like 90 percent white. Of course, majority Republican, and that's relevant, especially when it comes to environmental issues, Republican versus Democrat. That's relevant. They're mostly Republican, mostly white, conservative Christian. So these people like Farrakhan believe that the world is just a way station, that this world is just a temporary place. And we're going on to glory sometime. Armageddon. God's going to return and enact divine justice. Right. They're anti-tax, they're anti-regulation, they're anti-environmentalism, they're anti-EPA. Remember Fox News just a few years ago, not a few years, a few months ago was like, oh, Biden wants to take away the steaks. Biden doesn't want us to have beef. Biden's taking away. They want to eat all the meat. They want to drive the biggest SUV and they want to pay 20 cents a gallon per gas. They don't want regulations on their business. They want free market, libertarian, economic liberalism. They want to shrink the government. They want small government. They want, remember, under uh, uh, Trump ran and promising these people that he was going to do away with the Environmental Protections Agency. He was going to unshackle business. He was going to take the shackles. He was going to bring mining back. He was going to bring factories and all these polluting industries back. And these white people cheered in the street. Yeah. And he went in and 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 snatched Obama era regulations. He said Obama put put brakes on the economy. And he's going to take take his foot off the brakes, economic brakes and put his foot on the economic gas. And what does foot on the economic gas means? No taxing of of industries. No oversight, 
of industries, no regulation of industries, no investigation and prosecutions of corporate crimes. Free market. Jobs, America first. And what do you do when you do that in a capitalist? Even Hillary Clinton was like, hey, I'm a capitalist. But if we don't regulate this bitch, if we don't put some 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 walls up and some fences up, if we don't regulate, investigate, prosecute, capitalism will kill us all. And she's pro-capitalist. I'm not a capitalist. I didn't vote. I don't support Hillary Clinton. But even Hillary. When she was running against Trump and Trump was like, I'm opening it all up. I'm about to get jiggy with it. I'm about to bring coal mining back. I want to put bring back child labor. Right. I'm going to just do it. I want to kick it. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. Can I kick it? Yes, you can. And so. Right. These same white folks, they got what they asked for. Ain't nothing more upset. Nothing upsets white folks more than getting exactly what they paid for. <laughs> and so even specifically on train, the rail industry regulation, Obama wanted these hydraulic mnemonic special brakes, these modernized brake systems for the trains. He wanted to limit the size of the, of the trains. And Trump wiped that all away. And you under Trump, you literally had more train wrecks. You had thousands of train wrecks. They just didn't make the news. Nobody was paying attention. And so these white folks got exactly what they wanted. They got what they voted for. They got what they paid for. But the bugger got no shame. How dare they? And let me tell you something. These people, all these people talking about Armageddon, the end of times, the last day, my body, the flesh is a vessel. My soul and spirit will live on. You would think when there's a train derailment or some other catastrophe, when God sends a storm, when God, you would think the Christians and the Muslims would just walk out into the, them, them white Christians, them evangelical Christians in Palestine should just walk towards the, the train derailment. It's God, do your will. Thine, thine will be done. Thine will. If I really, really thought, if I really believed that after my physical body perished and then after that it was nothing but living in, in a beautiful place surrounded by succulent plants, Justin's vegan peanut butter cups, I get the most up-to-date Xbox, I'm still playing the, 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 the damn Xbox One. They didn't have, you know, I got an Xbox X. Me and Miss Mingo can just stroll down the sunny and, and, and up and down sunny gold paved streets. And all I got to do is believe some nonsense and do a few little rituals a couple of days a week and 10% of my unearned income. And then when I die, I go on to eternal life and peace and happiness. My hair grows back on top of my head. I get my locks back. If I really believe that, let something go down. I'd be out there when the police come, sir, I'd be like, what you want, cop? What you want? I'd be reaching every time a cop come near me, I start reaching in my pockets. Let a train derail here in Chicago. I'd walk towards a train. Thine will be done. But the white folks who claim they, the world is just a way station. 
They don't want to tax. They don't want regulation. They don't want EPA oversight. They don't want environmentalism. They want a free market because they're going to one day become billionaires and they don't want their multinational corporation tax. The first thing they, oh, we don't think it's safe. What do you care about safety? Jesus knew he was going to get lynched. And he rode that damn donkey to Damascus or whatever. I forget the myth. And he was like, yo, I'm okay. Because I know through death I get eternal life. Jesus went and just handed himself over. And when one of his disciples tried to fight, he was like, don't fight. Be cool, fool. They ain't trying to roll up. Be cool. He went willingly to that old rugged cross. He went willingly. And, and, and I never see people who grasp and hold on to life harder. Give me every medication, stick every tube in every part of my body. I just want to live. What was that song? There was some rock. I just want to live. That should be played in churches. Who did that song? That shit used to slap. That shit used to slap. Is it Who the hell is Keydron Bryant? Or Good Charlotte? I think it was Good Charlotte. I just want to live. Y'all white folks. Y'all, I mean, y'all don't act like. Yeah, Good Charlotte, thank you. Y'all don't act like y'all believe what y'all claim y'all believe. So I tell all you white Christian racist conservatives. Now, if you are like me and you don't believe in the afterlife, you don't, you ain't racing towards death. You don't believe the world is a way station. But the world is the best thing we got and we need to preserve the environment. We need to detoxify. We need to restore ecosystem. We need to stop slaughtering mass slaughter and eating of animals. If you believe all that stuff, then do what you got to do to protect yourself. But if you believe the world ain't nothing but a way station, this corrupt flesh will be stripped away and leave a pure soul that will go on to heaven. What you scared of? What you run for? What you running for? Get off the news, white conservative whites, evangelical white. Get off the news. Talking about, oh, it's it's so contaminated. What do you care? The world is a place of corruption. The flesh is corrupt anyway. So go on and drink the polluted water in your corrupted flesh. Get out your flesh. Get out the flesh. Keep it real. Keep it a buck. Claim you're set. Ride or die. Ride and die. Ride to die. I just want y'all to keep it because it's just hard for me. I hate contaminated. I hate that this thing happened. I didn't want it to happen. I support whatever regulation oversight. I think that the, the rail industry uh, uh, tycoons, the railroad barons, the CEOs, the administrators should be arrested. I supported the railroad workers in their, in, in their effort. I think they should get more time off mental health and physical for their physical health. I think that they should do more hiring. I think the trains should be shortened. I think the, the chemicals should not be routed through and the toxins should not be routed. I support all the regulation. I want all the regulatory smoke. I think the rail industry should be nationalized. I don't think they should be for profit industry. They should be owned by the public managed in the public's interest, not for profit. I want all the smoke. Or actually, I want to end the smoke. But for you, people who vote for deregulation, you got what you wanted. 
And now they want it. Remember, they want small government. But now they crying for FEMA. They want welfare. Pull yourself up out of that contaminated water. Pull yourself up by your bootstraps. But the reality is, and the research is so, when white folks go to vote against environmental policies, welfare and public health and all that, when they go to vote against that, in their mind, they're like, well, for me, of course, I'm really voting to deny this stuff for black people, for immigrants, for unworthy, people who are unworthy of government support. But they believe that they're worthy. My country. And so, you know, the more this stuff happened, white folks are going towards fashion. Oh, wait, it's time. Wow. Tom, it is 8.05 a.m. Central Standard Time in the city of Chicago. I am on Q4 Radio, Q-U-E, the number four, dot O-R-G, Q4 Radio, Bro Diallo Broadcast. You can also catch me across the socials at Diallo Kenyatta. Uh, also, um, you can support the Bro Diallo Broadcast, Cash App, Venmo. I don't have no afterlife or no grand <laughs> Armageddon. <laughs> Help me. Please donate, contribute, like, share, subscribe, all that algorithmic, you know, stuff. Help me prepare my <laughs> myself for the war Armageddon has begun. You don't need your money. Ain't going to be no money in the afterlife. So give it to me because I can't go to heaven. I've, I'm going to. I have no supernatural or no afterlife. All I got is this flesh. So please help me sustain my flesh. You don't need, especially you who believe you have a higher self. <laughs> what, did, what did Jesus say? Give to the poor. Give to the needy. Okay, so let's move on. Are we going to talk about fascists? Let's move to the topic, actually. Let's do that. I trick tricks who think I'm tricking. But I say it's the top of the hour. Thank you for listening. And we're going to move on to the topic. Manhood. Now, I have to confess something. The show was called Resurrecting Black Manhood. I got to tell you, that's I, that's clickbait. I, I, I'm, I'm ashamed of myself, y'all. I, I, I'm ashamed of myself. I, I'm so ashamed of myself. Now, I've, I've been sitting up here straight. And I'm sick of it, so I'm about to lean in because we we gonna have a talk. Did I ever? Did the white people? When did y'all come back? I asked the white people to give me a moment to tell y'all something, <laughs> but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Are the white folks back? Welcome back. But y'all might not mind. This ain't this ain't something y'all want to hear because I'm gonna be talking to the brothers. I ain't even gonna bother to tell the sisters to go away because I know once you tell a sister to go away, they listen harder. I know I've been married to a black woman for over 20 years. I know how y'all do. Y'all can't tell me nothing. I was raised by my a black women. So I know how y'all do. So I ain't no point in me saying, sisters, let's just let the brothers rap. <laughs> They'll just stop commenting and lean back and watch. They'll listen harder. That's all I'm saying. You tell a sister to, 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 to step away, she'll listen harder. You tell her uh, to be quiet, she's going to get loud. Right on. But, I, hey, I, lo I, ain't, I ain't saying you shouldn't be. I'm just calling it like it is. And you don't like me telling on y'all, don't be like that. But anyway, white folks, we just talking. We about to rap amongst ourselves. Anyway, I have to admit to lying to y'all. I think this is the first confession of the Bro Diallo show, of me actually lying. When I called this resurrecting black manhood, it was pure clickbait. 
It was pure propaganda, one big fat lie. Because that resurrection is not, it's a falsehood in both ways. Things don't come back from the dead. It's a myth. It's something made up. It's an interesting story. It's folklore. So not only is resurrection a fictional thing that has, there's no evidence that it happens, right? Black manhood has never died. So it doesn't need to be resurrected. But there is so much hysteria, which is ironic. If you understand the word hysteria, it comes history. It, it literally means to crazy woman. Like that's why the woman's uh, uterus and when they remove it, it's called a hysterectomy. So for men, you are alpha men and you're being hysterical about the many threats to manhood. And of course, this this discussion was provoked. I hate that I miss Lumumba. Because Lumumba did a, a, a program last night. Lumumba Speaks. And he wanted me to join in where they talk about the, 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 the conspiracy to effeminize black men. Black men are effeminate. So there's been a lot of hysteria, hysterics surrounding black manhood. Not just in recent years. This has been an ongoing issue for, for black men in particular since the Ma'afa about black male identity, black malehood and 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 where we stand as men being men. You know, that's what one of the things that that a big selling point for for various cults that that have lured many black men in with the promises of not only securing, but respecting and restoring and, and uplifting their manhood. And black men go and join these cults or follow these demagogues, Umar. And it's all about men's hysteria about the threat to manhood. Right. So I know if I say it's resurrecting black men, I might get some of those brothers who are hysterical about manhood. And just really recognize the irony of being hysterical about your manhood. And the threats to your manhood. So, first of all, I want to acknowledge something. A question. Is there a conspiracy and attempt to effeminize black men in particular? And I have to say, yes. Not based on anything other than evidence, the historical record. And you hear a lot of brothers, a lot of these demagogues, a lot of these misogynists, these uh, massage noir, these sexist cats. You know, these cultists will come out and say there is a conspiracy to there are black men who have made millions of dollars and become world renowned, world renowned figures. By number one, promising to upend, obstruct, stop or reverse, reverse the conspiracy to a to a feminize black men there are men who have sold books and have made bundles of money telling black men how to fight against or avoid be being turned into women or as uh imalamu baruti says they want to turn our sons into their daughters black manhood is under attack but you one thing you never see is them really clearly explain why or accurately explain why and what is the true issue 
of black men being reduced. And I know this is accurate, being reduced to the status of women. Women in general and black women in particular. And so since there is a documented history of black men being effeminized, reduced to the status of women, what are the suggestions that are often carried out or followed or promoted or embraced by black men in general? Black men fighting against being made into women. One of the steps that men do, I didn't say Amalamu Baruti made money. I didn't say he particularly made money for his stance. I didn't say him, but there are men. There's a whole industry out there. Anyway. There, so the first step is if, if being made into a woman reduces your status, which it does, if you are a man and you are put into the status of a woman, then your status in the society is reduced. Even if you're a black man under racism, to be a black woman under racism makes you even worse. To be effeminized under racism. If you're a poor man, and then you're an effeminized poor man, you're even reduced lower in the status of poverty and so on and so forth. So what black what have black men in particular done with this understanding, this this historically documented historical pattern of reducing black men to the status of women? <clears throat> One thing we have done. And first, let me explain. Did, did I put that? Anyway, the reason this is fun phenomenon occurs, number one, is the cultures that invaded, colonized, enslaved, and could, that impress us today were fundamentally sexist, anti-women cultures. The European culture, going back to their earliest civilizations, going back to their earliest civilizations, the Greeks, Remember, white folks, the reason why black people run around when they go to college, get a little college degree. The reason why black people call themselves Greeks is because that was the founding of Western civilization. Now, there were pre-Greek civilization cultures, communities amongst white people. But white people see that their modern culture, capitalist, Judeo-Christian, Western culture, that we're subjected to the dominant white culture of today. It was started or founded has its foundation in Greece and Rome. And even if you go to places like Washington, DC, and you look at the architecture and the mo and the monuments, it's modeled after their Greek forefathers because they see that this is, and even when you go to institutions of higher learning, you'll notice a lot of the symbols and rituals were born out of the Greek uh, philosophy and Greek forum and the Greek, even toga parties and all that shit. So anyway, the Greeks, what were the status of women in Greece? What was the status of women in Greece? They were not allowed to own property. They were not seen as fully human. They did not have equal rights. So we know going back to the earliest manifestations of Western dominant, the dominant Western culture, that women were Second class citizens. 
long before black people ever knew white folks existed and vice versa. White women were property. White women didn't have rights. White women were seen as breeding stocks and servants, as property, breeding stock and servants. And these are the people who colonized and indoctrinated the rest of the world. These are the people who caught. Now, there were other cultures, sexist cultures, more egalitarian cultures, but we're talking about the culture that dominates and that we I'm sitting here speaking English to you. For no other reason than the hyper aggression and global white hegemony of of Western culture. Right. So and then let's look at the other dominant. Most black folks are Christian. Or have Abrahamic religions, uh, Islam colonized even before Europeans invaded and colonized and enslaved their Arab cousins were in North Africa. And I'm going to quote what John Henry Clark said. John Henry Clark said the Arab has always been a woman hater. Now I'll leave that at that. Now, if you mad at you, go argue and go debate Dr. Clark about that statement. But I would say looking at the history, looking at the culture, looking at the practices, looking at the various Islamic theocracy, it's real, you know, and so then you and then you have Judeo-Christian, as we said, what about what was the 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 Judeo position? There is an uh, orthodox prayer. That says, thank God, I am not a Gentile, a woman or a slave. So all that to say in the culture, in the literature, in, in, in the philosophies, ideologies of the societies that colonized us. That enslaved us, that indoctrinated us to look at, to adopt their worldview, women were oppressed. Sexism is real. Women's oppression is real. When white women jump up and talk about women's lib and burning bras, they have some legitimate gripes. And to acknowledge that doesn't uh, uh, diminish our gripes. It doesn't excuse the white woman's racisms and the white woman's full participation in partnership and white hegemony and atrocities. In fact, what do they say? Know thy enemy. So just to pretend that all oh, white folks are this or white, like, we got to look from a sober neck. So we were. So if I have a culture that treats women and, and puts women in a subordinate position, culture that can embark on, you know, ritualized murder of their own women, witch trials. That if I come from a, a worldview and a social theory that says women are the source of lust of, and must cover themselves, women brought sin into the world. And corrupted man, and if not for the behaviors and corruption of women, men would have lived eternally in a paradise. Genesis, Adam, Eve. If I have that culture and I am able to find another population of people to that I want to reduce, who have reduction in status equals womanhood. So, yes, when they enslaved black men. From their point of view, and eventually from our point of view, they turned us from men into women. And black men carry that on. You look at prisons. Jails are a microcosm of the bigger society. Within the prison system, they create a microcosm of how the larger city society functions. 
Just like you have racism in society, you have racial factions in the jail. Just like you have economics in society's cash flow and, and, and you have the economic elites and the impoverished. It's the same thing. There's a jailhouse economy through cigarettes, illicit cell phones and drugs to commissary. There's an economy in the jail. There's an economy in the society. And what happens when a man, heterosexual, cisgendered man goes to jail and he gets turned into a bitch? Oppression is effeminized. When you are under the control of another man, you're made his bitch. You're effeminized. And within the prison, the men who are punked or made bitches, they do laundry. They don't just get assaulted, the physical assault. Within the, 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 the prison hierarchy, they're made to clean. You're going to be washing my drawers. How you making records? How you selling records, making money, doing tours, being up, then be up and down a more scrubbing other niggas' draws. They do the cooking. They do the cleaning. They're seen as nurturers. They do the grooming. They, they groom the men. Braided hair. I'm going to make this dude braid my hair. So even in the larger system, even when there are no women around, the men get turned effeminized in order to fulfill that, that subordinate role. And the worst thing you can do in jail is be made into a woman, a bitch. And when you do, or you are defeated, broken down, mistreated, and you don't have the means to defend yourself, you're a bitch. So yes, womanhood and oppression are damn near synonymous in this system. Under Western and Arab and Islam and, and Judeo-Christian systems. So yes, black men, as a result of losing our stature, being oppressed by misogynistic, sexist, uh, patriarchal systems, we are effeminized. And what do we do about it? We fight effeminization because fighting for freedom literally, literally means fighting effeminization. I know this is uncomfortable. I know the comments is going crazy. Folks don't like to hear this. But like I said, when I talk about these issues, I'm talking about evidence. What can be documented? Just go look up women in Greek society. And somebody, have I been to prison? I've never been a prison inmate, but I worked in a prison for three years in the in the uh, not that this needs to be because, it, like I said, it's documented for anybody to see. But. I digress. I know this folks is, is squirming. So black men, we've been made effeminized and we want to fight being made into women. So the first thing you want to do. If you're being made effeminized, if you're being made into woman is you have to demonize womanhood. Because if womanhood is not diminished, if it's not demonized, if it's not reduced, if I don't agree that women are lesser. Then I, I wouldn't care. You can go to a man and say, yo, you're a tiger. You're a lion king and a brother be like, yeah, I'm a lion. But if you go to a brother and say, hey, you're a dog. Whoa, because dogs are subservient. But if I tell you, brother, you're a, you're a lion, 
just had a brother. You're a brother. You, you, you have the heart of the lion. You have the eye of the tiger. So if you call a man, if you go to a man and say, you're a woman, if women did not have a diminished stature in society, a man would be like, whatever. I'm not, but if you think so. I've had dudes call me, you a pussy. You a hoe, you a bitch. I've had dudes to try to insult you by saying, you, you act like a female. You out here acting like a female. I just had a brother tell me as an insult that I was gynocentric just a couple of days ago. We were having a discussion about I don't know, child support or something. And dude told me I was gynocentric and I was supposed to be offended by that. So in order, the first thing you have to do in order to fight a feminization is to see the feminine as reduced, to agree with the oppressor that yes, to be a woman, women are less than, and to put me in a position of women lessens me right and so that is the birth of all this manosphere alpha sigma man go thy own way man go their own way right so now you have black men that it doesn't it doesn't just it's not neutral the fight against effeminization is not a neutral thing it's not well women are whole Women are, 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 I respect women, I uphold women, but I don't want to be no woman. Because you don't have to fight it. I don't have to, I don't want to be no capital. I'm not a capitalist. I don't want to be no meat eater. If somebody came to me and be like, Diallo, all you do is eat burgers. I'm like, I don't. That's an absurdist thing to say. But if you say, hey, you go to the most masculine, cisgendered, heterosexual man. And say, you a woman, you a female. He will get mad, even though it's the furthest thing from the truth. So in order for black men to embark on this fight against the feminization, we have to agree that being feminized reduces us. And the only way to be feminized as a reduction, as being a reduction, is to agree that women are less than. And a lot of people don't know, I think women are, and men are the same. I'm just not a woman. You wouldn't have the hysterics. You would dismiss it without any argument. There wouldn't be a whole movement. There wouldn't be a whole industry. There wouldn't be demagogues and local celebrities who whole identity and whole status is based on them fighting a feminization. There wouldn't be scholars fighting a feminization. You wouldn't need it because it's just, I'm not a woman. Okay, big deal. So one of the ways black men have fought, one of the maladaptive ways black men have fought a feminization was through intensifying our manliness as defined by our oppressors. We look at how our oppressors define men and manhood, and then we hyper-focus and throw our all into demonstrating our manliness by fully intensifying and reaching the standards of manhood as defined by our oppressors. So when they say black men go their own way, go thy own way. They're not saying go your own way against capitalism. They're not saying go in their own way against imperialism. They're not saying going against the status quo. They say go their own way, abandon women, go away from women. 
to show how manly you are. And our oppressors define manhood by your capacity for violence and murder, your ability and willingness to dominate, your, your, how well you can hoard resources, whether it's cash, money, property, how much you can accumulate shit well beyond what you need, and your ability to be detached and unfeeling, psychopathic. So they define manhood in a pathological way. They reduce black men to womanhood status. And so black men are chasing this, this corrupt, sick concept of being a man, what a man is. And we, we're, we're constantly in this warped, sickening, divisive cycle of being reduced to women and trying to demonstrate our manhood in the most obscene, absurdest, whitest, most Arab way possible. And the black men who are able to say, I'll crush some shit. I got my gun. I dominate. I'm the head of my household. I got all this money. I got cars. I got this. And I don't give a shit. I don't give. I do me. Manhood as defined. I don't give a oh, principled and, and, and honorable. Because if you're you're not honorable, if you're not fighting against genocide, colonization, capitalism. So all this, a black man is a protector. No, black men, that protector is hoarding. It is warped sense of protection, meaning that you only give a damn about what you own. You don't protect the community. You, hey, it's my money, my car, my woman, my kids. In this hoarding mentality. So we intensify our capacity or willingness to do violence, our potential for violence, our capacity and willingness to dominate or our demand that people submit to our domination through hoarding resources. What you earn to find about, you know, the money, the gold, the cars, money, hoes and clothes, all a nigga knows and our ability to not give a damn. Unfeeling, psychopathic, sociopathic. And another way of fighting a feminization so if your women are, are low and then they want to reduce you to the status of woman, if you can push your woman even lower. So by repress or reducing women below our status, thus keeping us at the top of the bottom. And a lot of us fight to stay at the top of the bottom. I may be bad off, but I ain't no woman. I'm not as bad as a woman. I'm not as irrational as a woman. I'm not as weak as a woman. But I could go. Time is a little limited. So let me go. Let me move on from that point. I think I've made my point in terms of that. But black men, I have to say the only viable and sustainable way to end the effeminization of black men that I acknowledge is happening is through the liberation of black women and the liberation of womanhood in general. If womanhood and if women no longer held a reduced or diminished status in the ideology and the culture and the society, then there would be no incentive to reduce men to women's status. So if you are a black man who is like, listen, the effeminate conspiracy to uh, uh, feminize black men is a problem. Liberating black women would eliminate any motivation or incentive to do so and any stigma attached to it being done. That is the only healthy way 
So we have to make anti-sexism, anti-misogyny, and overall liberation of women a cornerstone a cornerstone of overall black liberation, of African liberation, of any type of liberatory revolutionary struggle. Women's liberation, women's oppression, the specific oppression targeted towards women has to be at first acknowledged, understood, and then dissected, attacked, reverse ended. And that the byproduct of those activities will upend and end the incentive motivations to, uh, in, to effeminize black men. We thought that the way to stop a feminization of black men is to purge any components of femininity within ourselves as individuals or as in black men as a group to repress women. They even say, oh, keep your, your sons away from your, your mothers away from sons. You got to go get your sons. You can't have them around women and all this shit. When the simple solution is. If black women are elevated then black feminization no longer becomes a viable agenda for repression, de degradation, disrespect, or harming black men. So allying to, with and listening to black women about gender-specific or gendered oppression, because it exists. There's too much goddamn history. There's too many laws and legislation barring women from, from, from owning property. You know, it's just too much. The statistics don't lie. The history books don't lie. Well, they do lie. It's, they, it does lie. But we can suss out the truth. Right? So, if you're going to go out here and read the, and fight against the effeminization, the solution is not to give Umar half a million dollars to build an all-man school, an alpha male training facility. It is not to join these misogynistic Islamic these misogynistic Christian, these misogynistic black Hebrew cults. It is not buying more guns, taking more steroids to get more muscle. It's not, it's not to purge any elements of the society. If you like romance novels and rom-coms, brother, sit down and watch the romance novels and rom-coms. Do you, player? Because the only way to truly in the effeminization of men, period, or black men specifically, is to make sure as we fight and call for justice for and liberation of black people that we purge, that we completely purge sexism, misogyny, and women gender-specific discrimination and oppression of black women. And then the next time somebody like, dude, you out here acting like a female, like, that doesn't make any sense. Like what? I promise you, that's the only way. A lot of black men want, and it's evidence. Look at their rhetoric. They write it, they say it. They're not even ashamed. It's not even like I'm exposing anything that's hidden. But a lot of black men, they want economic justice. They want their share of the spoils of empire. They want their civil and human rights. A lot of black pro-black men, so-called revolutionary black men. 
They want all this shit for black men, but they fully intend to leave the hierarchy, the sex hierarchy, fully in place. I talk to black men. They got red, black, and green African names, and they want African liberation. They call themselves Pan-Africanists, but when it comes to relations between men and women, they want to sustain the Judeo-Christian, conservative, reactionary, sexist hierarchy. There are a lot of people, even within liberatory movements. So, black liberation has to be aligned with women, black women's liberation and understanding that in this compound oppression. And there's and it's not just the women's issue where a lot of black movements, it's also the class issue. There's a lot of devoid. And sisters been writing, they've been speaking, they've been yelling, they've been singing and dancing, trying to get this message through. They've been trying to get this message through. And it's all or nothing. The oppressors understand that it's all or nothing. The oppressors, if you look at the systems and institutions of global white domination, they're not just content to have all the money. They're not just content to control all the natural resources. They're not just content with military domination. They have to dominate every element. You know, they want to dominate entertainment, the toys, every minuscule element of the system and society. They have to have a hand in it. Whereas a lot of black people don't understand it's all or nothing. Everybody and everything has to be liberated. We can't just liberate the black man. We can't just economic liberation. That's we want our economic liberation. Every single element of society has to be infused with justice, has to be radicalized. It's all or nothing. So you can't maintain pockets of oppression within a larger liber uh, liberation struggle. So, as I said, and, and, and I'll tell you, liberating the, the, the end of the repression or feminization of black men is rooted in the liberation of black women. The, to the purging of sexism and misogyny and patriarchy from black spaces, black cultures, black mentality, black movements. We're going the other way. The things that most black men do entrenches and justifies a feminization. And I understand. I, I've been a black man all my life. And we're in a system that tells us, hey, we have to be the breadwinners. And then they, 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 they economically castrate us. And our women participate in that. I don't want no scrub. A scrub is a guy who gets no love from me. And uh, many times black women will put on us. They want us to achieve all the things that white men achieve without any of the white pathology. So we're supposed to be humane capitalist. So that's often a contradiction. You ain't got no money. You ain't got it. You're not succeeding in this society. 
but you want me to succeed as a man, but I'm not supposed to behave the way the people who set the system up. I can't be a predator, but you want me to achieve and accumulate within a predatory economy. So, these contradictions are on both sides. It's not just men that have this warped sense. But I want to talk about what, when in, in, during the time of socialism, the new man. They talked about in order for to have a new society, you have to have a new man. When, and generally, they were talking about when they say man, and this is concept that kind of arose in the 50s and 60s during the communist and socialist and guerrilla movements. So when you said mankind, you really included women. It was a default that if you say humanity and mankind, it just includes women. So when they said a new man, they were really in the modern lexicon, they would say a new person. That if you don't transform the people, then tr you can transform society all you want. It's going to revert back to what it was. So you can give Af you can decolonize Africa. You can end apartheid in South Africa and black people still remain impoverished. And 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 you know, South Africa today has the highest unemployment rate in the world, over 34, 35% and growing. But apartheid is over. Because if you don't change the people, you give black folks all the economic uh, reparations you want. You can give black people affirmative action. You can integrate black people. But if you don't have a revolutionary transformation of the man, the new man does not emerge, then they're going to pretty much take all that and feed it back into the system. That is the nature of being, especially under generations of oppression. I say all the time, ideology is all. We think we can have a material world transformation without an ideological revolution we can have a political revolution economic revolution social revolution without an ideological revolution it's not possible so what is the new black man that is free from effeminization quote unquote the first thing we have to free ourselves from as black men is being units of production when we first now I'm talking about as we go on this process to fight effeminization truly from a revolutionary perspective, as opposed to a reactionary perspective that's pushed by people like Malibu, uh, Umar and the rest of the manosphere, the reactionary manosphere, the traditional manhood. This is revolutionary manhood. The first thing, because that's what we need revolutionary masculinity there's been a lot of talk about toxic masculinity and real man we need revolutionary masculinity we need to cultivate our young men to be revolutionary because that's the only thing that's going to liberate us and the first thing black men we have to do well this is really pertains to black women as well, but since it's the topic, since we're going to stay on topic. Because I see people in the comments, they want to talk about homicide, incarceration, but we're specifically talking about, you know, if you want to have that topic, go have that topic. But the topic is the topic. So 
The new man, the true black man, needs to be free ourselves from being units of production. And what does that mean? Because black people were brought here as beasts of burden. And we were strictly valued uh, according to how much we earned. There was no intrinsic or inherent value of an African man. And to this day, to this day, this mentality or approach to black men is held true. And black people have even adopted this. And that's why it's so necessary to have class, radical class consciousness needs to be as important as black women's liberation and radical class consciousness within the black community. Because now we look up, no matter how degenerate, no matter how disgusting, no matter how backwards a black man is, if he has money and fame, we look up to him. Deion Sanders, Kanye West can sit and disrespect the whole race. But they got money. Ooh, he got money. Sisters perpetuate this too. So no longer being units of production. $40 million slave. And not defining our worth, our value as earners, breadwinners, units of production. Chasing after the Yankee dollars. Free ourselves from being units of production. That doesn't mean you don't work. That doesn't mean you don't earn an income. That means that your identity isn't rooted in that. That is not your purpose of existence. That is not your ultimate goal. That is not where you rest. I remember there was, when I was on the dating scene and my wife and other sister would talk about the first thing a guy tells you about, oh yeah, my, my name is this and I do that, I do that. So we have to go back to what is your ideology? We were, we were approaching this in the 60s. I, Fred Hampton, Chairman Fred Hampton often spoke of how when you meet a new black person, you have to find out what's your ideological and organizational affiliation. What do you stand for? So just no longer defining ourselves, valuing ourselves, measuring ourselves as units of productions. And we have different, oh, I'm an entrepreneur, I get paid, oh, it's about this money. Shit that white people pull out of, literally pull out of their asses. And we've made the orientation of our existence. Their fiat. We have to go from being profit-driven to need-driven. We work to address needs, not to earn profits. We can start doing that right now. We change how we navigate within the system. We have to redirect our hostility. We have to redirect violence. I didn't say stop the violence. I, like Malcolm X said, I don't think we should suffer peacefully. We have justified rage. Right. But you have three types of violence or all violence can fit within three categories. Descending violence, lateral violence and ascending violence. Descending violence is when you commit violence against people who are lower on the hierarchical scale than you are. When an adult attacks a child or an elderly person, when a wealthy person attacks a poor person. You know, when 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 a man attacks a woman, descending violence. 
people who are valued less or seen as less than or or have the status of less than when able people attack disabled people then you have lateral violence that's when people who are on the same level within the social hierarchy attack and prey upon each other people that are on your level a lot of gang violence, a lot of violence in our communities is lateral violence. People, we all oppress. We're all on the same level and we go at it. Sometimes the elites go at each other. Sometimes like you got Biden versus now the, the, the Republican Congress is going to start investigating Biden. That's lateral violence. People are on that scale, lateral. And then you have ascending violence. That's when people below the on lower on the, the social hierarchy, attack people above their status. When poor people fight against corporations, when the people fight against the police, when the youth rise up for their rights against the stat established status quo, student uprisings, that's called ascending violence. So we, as men, as we have our justified rage as we take justified actions, whatever violence that forms, whether you sit down and write some violence or type violence on social media or you commit, you know, street level physical violence, where you lash out verbally, emotionally, you make sure that it's ascending violence, that you identify the true source, that your violence become revolutionary, radicalized. Because it's absurd all my life. I've even participated in it. Stop the violence. One of the first organizations that I joined in the black community. At 14, 15 years old was the Stop the Violence Coalition and tell black folks suffer peacefully. Be passive under oppression. I no longer take that position. My position is if you must lash out. And that lashing out or acting out is, is, is manifest through violence, strictly ascending violence. We have to, with everything that is within us, refrain from, shun, end lateral violence and descending violence. We only attack up the hierarchy. Redirect violence. We have to understand the difference between ideas and ideology as new black men. Idea is I want a, a healthy home. I want to raise my children. I want to have the things I need. I believe this and that. Those are great ideas, but it has to grow out of ideology. Many of the ideas that we have about family, income, status grows out of ideology. And you have a lot of black people with that could be, quote unquote, good ideas, but their ideology. You have a lot of black people who truly believe that they are pan-African, that they are revolutionary, that they are radical. But when you when you whittle down to the core of their ideas, their ideology is Western, Judeo-Christian, conservative, reactionary. So a lot of times you'll have the same ideas. I want what is best for black people. I want black people to succeed. That's an idea. And what's the ideology driving that idea? You want black people to succeed? Does that look like more black CEOs? 
more black millionaires and billionaires? Or does that look like the just redistribu redistribution of resources and no more? I um, no more billionaires and millionaires exist because they're all parasites. Idea. I want black people to have what's coming to us. What do you think is coming to us? Black people getting more money so that we can take money and invest in the imperialist system. We get reparations. And where does reparations go? Towards uh, buying stock in Raytheon, Boeing, investing and having a greater stake in the military industrial complex? Or does reparations mean funding liberation guerrilla struggles, restoring ecosystems, funding uh, uh, removal of plastic and carbon sequestration. So we have a lot of overlap because you get black people and you go into a room of 100 black people who say, who wants unity? Every hand will go up. Who wants black people to improve and develop and to advance? Every hand will go up. But until we, this is a problem I always had in my organizing and the work I do in the community. I work with a lot of black people that had a lot of the same ideas, but totally divergent ideologies. So black men, we have to really understand what is the ideology. And if you don't have an established, defined ideology, believe you me, you are an instrument and tool of an ideology. It's just not your own. I am a revolutionary pan-Africanist. I am a socialist. I am an atheist. Everything that I do that I advocate for in my own life, within my family and within my community comes from some foundational ideals and understandings about reality itself, about who we are, what we are and what we must do. So it's not enough to have a good idea. You have a lot of, everywhere you look. Who wants strong black family? Every hand will go up. But some of these Men and women, their idea of a strong black family is a reactionary nuclear family unit that came straight out of the Protestant uh, uh, in, in industrial revolution. It has nothing to do with African identity, African culture, and it does not speak to the needs of African people. So it's not even enough to say, I want family. I want real men. What the hell is a real man? What is the ideology? We rest on ideals too much. We need to start going beyond ideas and understanding and establishing ideology. We have to be liberators. Black men, our highest aspiration is not ownership. You got black men out here now, 19 keys, talking about we can own plantations. We can have our own, even, even, I uh, remember KRS1, my favorite, one of my favorite rappers, my second favorite rapper. Like, we need to have a black Illuminati. Black men, we got to stop mimicking what these other men do. Now, avoid names. It's not enough for us to mimic and get what other men got. We have to clean the slate and define. We must be liberators. This concept of we must own, we must control. Our job is to liberate. Our goal is redistribution, not accumulation. We are organizers, not rulers. Our goal is cooperation, not domination and competition. We have to redefine what manhood is. We've been striving to reach and mimic and reach and, and, and satisfy the terms and status of other people's manhood without defining what black manhood is. 
black manhood and most of these people are selling us today are just bastardized reproduction and bastardized mimicry of our oppressors, man, concepts, warped concepts of manhood. Revolutionary manhood, revolutionary masculinity, liberatory manhood. Because I got another secret. Manhood is arbitrary and ever-changing. That's another thing. So when you are so rooted, you know, your genitalia defined your identity. I tell you, I know just in my own life, my uncles used to look at me and my homies back in the early 90s and be like, what is wrong with y'all? And now here it is. In the 2020s, I'm looking at my son and his homies like, what is wrong with y'all? Manhood is arbitrary and ever-changing. That's why I go back to ideology. What was appropriate for a man? What was necessary and required of a man? From It changes from decade to decade and generation and generation. So we must direct what man, instead of mimicking or trying to reach or strive towards someone else's definition of manhood, we as African people, in concert with all of us, can define what manhood is. We're not units of production. We are not profit driven. We will be, uh, we will redirect violence, defensive and ascending violence strictly. We will understand that ideas are not adequate. The ideas must grow out of a defined and, and, and articulated ideology. We are liberators. We, we, we are redistributors of wealth. We are organizers. We are cooperative. Our mission is to retake and transform the world, restore ecosystems, redistribute wealth, sustainable and just systems of governing us from education to judicial. That's the manhood mission. It's not that complex. If we would just take a moment and get and purge all of the indoctrination, well, I guess that's not meant to side. Oh, it is complex. I mean, the, the, the solution is rather simple. The process of obtaining and securing and implementing the solution, I guess that's when the complexity sits. So it ain't magazine covers. It ain't Rihanna. It ain't wearing a dress. We must be liberators. And that is where your not just your manhood, but your very humanity must rest. That's the Bro Diallo show. Thank you for listening. My Black Power, the Rational Radical Show, will be Wednesday evening. And of course, learn, earn your liberation. Will be live. Um, when is that? Earn your liberation coming live and direct. Um what was that? Oh, Friday morning. So I appreciate you for listening. I appreciate the feedback and the rhetoric. I know people were triggered, but uh, honest to God, <laughs> whatever God you worship, it is not my goal to trigger you. And if you guys want to tune in Wednesday night and want to continue this discussion, I'll also open up for calls, for chiming in, for... Uh, questions criticisms on uh wednesday or we can come back to this monday and i'll also open the phones because apparently this manhood question that's why i even lied <laughs> uh that's why i lied um about the title this is not about resurrecting uh 
manhood because resurrection is a is another myth. It's a nonsensical mythology. So, um, but I do appreciate y'all riding with me, and I do look forward to continuing to build on this topic about the issue. But yeah, if y'all want to talk about incarceration, homicide, and other issues we can but i mean if we're gonna stay on topic people get mad at me for not being on topic now i'm going to be mad at the audience anyway i really appreciate y'all please uh you can become a patreon supporter you can cash app make a cash app a venmo contribution if you don't have the ability to uh do that is reality arbitrary no reality is not arbitrary it is absolutely not arbitrary you know it uh, reality is is defined within some pretty uh strict physical um realities um, or, or, or physics and and many laws govern reality that are that as far as human understanding have not been broken or are not breakable so anyway like share subscribe share with your friends allies and enemies this is q4 radio uh shout out to the q4 radio and staff for for keeping this going and i will see y'all wednesday evening on black power media and next monday morning we'll be right here to do an election wrap-up oh and i might do something tuesday to talk about the the municipal election but if if i don't get around to doing the um um, um municipal election uh show Please, if you are in Chicago and if you're in the, the fourth ward, go vote for uh, Prentice for, for fourth ward alderman and go vote for Brandon Johnson for the new uh, city of Chicago mayor. If you are not registered to vote, register to vote and vote in every single election. And remember, when it comes to U.S. politics, we must be code distant and calculating, code distant and calculating. We're not voting for liberation. Liberation ain't on the ballot. We're voting for very particular policies, strategic voting, not emotional voting. So anyway, that's it. That's all. And uh, oh, you see, yeah, we're going to maybe Tuesday. Holla at your boys. Like, share, subscribe. I think I might do a, a Tuesday uh, uh, municipal election show just to specifically have a discussion about uh, the local a municipal election, or maybe I'll do it tonight before the election and I can sway some people to vote. But anyway, that's it. I'm gone for good. Uh, shout out to Q4 and I'll catch on on the uh, replay. I'll see y'all next Monday morning for the Bro Diallo broadcast. Peace. Oh, and this is Pat.